Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today, our adult discipleship pastor, Mark Taylor, will deliver a timely message out of the book of Ezra, aimed to assist us as we start this new year together. You can find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. Our prayer today is that this message will be a blessing for you as you start this new year with us. Whatever you've brought in here with you today, God is stronger. And what a great reminder that he is holding on to us and he will not let go. Let's pause for a moment and pray together. God, we thank you for a brand new day. We thank you for this morning, for for drawing us in to brave the cold and, and be here with you and all the opportunities we have ahead of us to hear your voice and get to know you and be strengthened. And so we are here because of you. And we pray that you would go beyond my words and do what only you can do and meet each of us, Father, right where we are pray you'd help us hear your voice, that you'd strengthen our hearts and direct our steps. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, happy new year. Anyone else enjoying the cold? Raise your hand. Guarantee my wife's hands are down by her side. Not enjoying the cold much. I like this time of year quite a bit. Uh, it's a time to, to refresh. There's something about the new year, even if it is cold and a little bit gray. I get a new journal. I do a little detox from some of the amazing holiday food. It's a, a time to get a fresh start. And I know some of you have had a great 2017 and you're still kind of riding on that momentum. But one of the dangers that all of us face is that we would be trapped in a moment from the past. If you ever meet, meet one of those guys whose best moment of his life was that catch in the high school football championship, and that's all he can talk about was that. And for many of us, we can get trapped in a moment in the past and miss out on what God has for us in the future. And I know for some of you, uh, very specifically, some of the stories uh, that have been going on, there's, there's a, a sense of heaviness and a burden for several of you, there's a lot of loss. There's a lot of disappointment. There's very difficult relationships. And so some of you aren't necessarily coming into 2018 all excited, but you've got a heaviness and a burden on your heart. And you need to know God will meet you here in that place too. Some of you may be here and you're just mildly curious. Maybe someone drug you here at the Christmas Eve services and you said, okay, why not? I'm gonna give this God thing a try and maybe you're just curious that he might be real, that he, uh, there might be something to this and so you need to know that you belong here too. Whatever you've brought here with you today, at some point we all stumble upon a moment where we need to have a fresh start on our faith and so that's what we're gonna do today and thankfully over and over again throughout the scriptures, 
We have these stories that show us what it looks like to get a fresh start on faith. And so we're gonna be, after a year and a half in the Gospels, we're gonna be in one of my favorite places is the Old Testament. We're gonna be in the book of Ezra today. If you're using the, the Bible that we provide or that we have available in the bookstore, it's on page 385. That's the, the Brookwood New Living Translation Bible. Ezra chapter one. Page 385, I'll begin reading this ancient story written so long ago but offers such timeless truths for us today as we have a fresh start on faith. Ezra chapter one, beginning in verse one. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and ascend it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus, who was a foreign king of Persia says, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem, and may your God be with you. After 70 years of captivity away from their homeland, God's people were invited to get a fresh start on faith, to come home and, and begin again, and really to feel the magnitude of what's happening because this story and these people and this culture, it was so long ago, and especially because we just spent so much time in the New Testament, I thought it would be good, and so if you're ready, I'm gonna give you a quick crash course on Old Testament history, which will set up the rest of the message for today, but also as we begin a series in Samuel next week, it'll help lay a little bit of groundwork for what's been happening in the history of Israel. And so uh, real briefly, let's just walk through these, and this may be a little bit more Old Testament history than you planned on the beginning of uh, January for yourself, but uh, these dates are, are key for understanding what's going on in the Old Testament. Um, these are the major periods of the Old Testament after Noah and the flood, the people again began trying to build a life apart from God, and uh, at the Tower of Babel, they were, uh, they were doing everything they could to build this life apart from God, and so at the Tower of Babel, um, God's, God separated all the people, and that's likely where all of our different diverse languages came from. He scattered them throughout the earth, and so in 2100, BC, we have Abraham. The people had been scattered all over different languages so they couldn't understand each other, so they couldn't build a life without God. God calls Abraham as the seed, as the father, as the beginning of the Jewish nation. Now remember, whenever God calls anyone, he doesn't just call them in exclusion of everyone else. God always calls someone so that he can be a blessing to everyone else. So God called Abraham and the, the beginning of the Jewish nation was right there. They began growing in number. And really quickly, though, within a couple of generations, there was a famine in the land. And so Abraham and the tribes that had been growing and growing in order to get food for themselves, in 1900 BC, they migrated to Egypt. If you'll remember, if you've heard the story of Joseph, God had already sent Joseph ahead of the people 
to get in good with the Pharaoh, that's really theological language, get in good, to get in good with the Pharaoh there. They had a great relationship. Uh, Joseph was honored there. There was plenty of food so that when the people had gotten to, to Egypt, there was plenty of food for all of the people there. But when a new Pharaoh, who wasn't so kind, came into power, he began to get really scared because the Israelite nation, the Jewish nation, began to grow and he was afraid they were gonna take over his people and so he was very cruel and he enslaved them, a lot longer work, a lot more taxes. It was a very difficult time for them. And so God raised up Moses and in 1450 B.C., Moses led the people out of an, an exodus out of Egypt and they began wandering toward the promised land. As they wandered and made their way, it was very clear they needed leadership and so God appointed judges. Uh, the 1400 was the period of the judges and these judges were simply meant to keep justice in the land to make decisions so that the people would live well. And this wasn't good enough, though, because as the people wandered and they had these judges making these decisions, the Israelites saw all these other foreign nations have these big, powerful kingdoms. And so they kept crying out, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And so in uh, 1050 was the, really the beginning of the United Kingdom, not Great Britain, but the kingdom of God the United Kingdom, and this was the time of Saul and David and Solomon. And so when we begin our series in Samuel next week, Samuel really is the bridge between this period of the judges and the beginning of the kingdom with Saul and then David and Solomon. And they did really well. There was uh, gl the glory of the Lord was in the middle of the kingdom. The people um, you know, sought after God. It was, it was a great, uh, very rich time in the history of Israel. But as you know, from your own experience, a happy family doesn't always stay happy, does it? And so in 922, the kingdom divided into the north, which if you read the Old Testament, that's what's end up called Israel there, and the south, which is often referred to as Judah, much like maybe the United States after we got formed all of a sudden had a north and a south and they fought against each other. That's a lot what was a very similar picture to what was happening here. And as Jesus uh, taught in the New Testament, in the, in the Gospels, a house divided against itself will not stand. And so in 722 BC, the northern kingdom walked away from God, tried to build a life without God. God sent the Assyrians in to really to teach them a lesson, to discipline them, and ultimately to win their hearts back to himself. But in 722, the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians. And uh, 150 or so years later, really just three generations, uh, the southern kingdom of Judah was taken over by the Babylonians. And so all of that Old Testament history, you can see how much of it, the Israelites, God's people, were enslaved by other nations, mainly because they didn't, stay with God as their king. And so they lost out on the blessing. And so in 536, we have this Cyrus edict. This is God moving. It said he stirred the heart of Cyrus, this foreign king of Persia, who had come and taken over all the, uh, the land and the people where the Assyrians and the Babylonians were, and all of these scattered Jews. And he issued this edict that the people could now return to their king, to their land, and begin building and get a fresh start on faith again. 
And again, this may be a lot more Old Testament history than you planned on today, but what's really helpful with these dates is every one of the books of the Old Testament was written during a unique time in Israel's history to communicate specific messages based on what they were going through. Oftentimes, we think that the Old Testament is simply a video camera recording history, but beyond being uh, an accurate recording of history, these are messages from God when they were in slavery or when they were in the wilderness or when they were building the kingdom. Each of the books of the Old Testament was communicating specific things. So when we get to Ezra today, in fact, Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah were three books. Chronicles is really just one book. It was first and second Chronicles because it was so long. It was divided into two, but it was really just one book. So Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah were written to these people who had lost hope, written to these people who wondered if God was even still with them. I wonder if you've ever been there before. If you've ever been through something and you wonder, where, God, where are you? And maybe, maybe you're here today and you've got this kind of excitement, something stirring in you about the new year, and you're saying, God, where do I even start? Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah was written to help the people get a fresh start on their faith. And so let's return just to the first verse of Ezra and we'll see four really timeless truths or principles wrapped around this fresh start on faith. Number one, a fresh start on faith, it begins with the faithfulness of God. Ezra 1, back to the story. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy, the promise that he had given through Jeremiah over and over and over again. God is faithful to what he has said is true. He was calling his people home again, even after they wandered. He's the one who saves his people. In fact, it says he fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. And one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is this prophecy from Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter three. This is the prophecy that was fulfilled through King Cyrus. Jeremiah 3.18 says, that's probably not up on the screen, that's okay, just, just listen to this prophecy and God's heart toward his people. It says, in those days, looking ahead, the people of Judah, the south, and Israel, the north, will return together from exile. They will return to the land that I gave their ancestors as an inheritance forever. God is faithful. He's saying they will return. And this is God's heart right here. I love this, this verse right here. I thought to myself, God saying, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to you calling me father, and I wanted you never to turn from me. And what's tragic here is in this prophecy, he goes on to talk about how the unfaithful people didn't want to receive the good things that the Father had had for them. The ironic thing is we walk away from God and then we wonder where he is and we blame him for his unfaithfulness. But in reality, we're the ones who walk away over and over again throughout the scriptures. We see God's faithful. He's saying, I'm calling, I'm coming, I'm here. I'm making a way for you. And one of the things that I absolutely love about this passage in Ezra is God is giving an open invitation 
to them and to us that anyone who will listen to these words and come and know and build their life on the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and whose grace and kindness and love has no limit and no end. One of the things that I'm most surprised about in my own life is how often I forget what God has done for me. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but God will come through for me. He'll reveal himself. He'll provide a solution. He'll bring a person into my life, and I'll soon get into a similar situation, and I'll forget what God has just done. And so, I don't know if you've been there before. It's probably one of my biggest sins is the sin of forgetfulness. And I become anxious and stressed and worried. Rely on my own understanding for what's gonna happen next and what I need to do and feeling all alone. And I'm wondering for me and for you, what if God really is as faithful as the Bible tells us? What if that's true? This Lord's Supper table right here is a picture of God's faithfulness, of God coming through. In fact, that's one of the distinctions between Christianity and all the other world religions. All the other world religions, you have to work your way to God. You have to try and try and try and pray this direction and stand in this direction and keep trying and trying and ultimately you never know if you've done good enough. But in Christianity, you don't have to work your way to God. God came to us. That's Christmas. That's what Christmas is about. And he, Jesus died. That's Good Friday. And then he rose again. That's Easter. And I know some of you, like even in my own life, you've asked God, you've begged God to come through for you in specific ways. You've, you've cried out over an illness or a loved one, and he didn't come through for you in the way that you wanted, in the way you expected. And so rather than seeing his faithfulness in that particular moment, you were left with a tragedy or a loss and that anguish that you feel. And I know it because I know it too. My father died of alcoholism a little over 17 years ago and I can still picture him in his final hours laying in bed and I'm just crying out to God to come through. And the anguish that you feel in those moments is a sign that this is not how it was meant to be. We were made for another world, we were made for another reality and that loss and that grief and that disappointment that we're left in oftentimes drives us away from God and God is saying no, bring your loss and grief and disappointment to me, I am the only one who is faithful. I'll never forget my, when I first came to know Jesus, my brother-in-law who led me to the Lord and was helping me uh, begin my relationship with Jesus. He's, one of the first things he said to me, it was just very striking. I'm not sure where this came from, but he said, Mark, you know I'm gonna let you down sometime, but God is the only one who you can truly count on. And I thought, well, that's odd. Uh, I thought you were supposed to be, and he's one of the most faithful guys I know. He's faithful to his wife and to his girls, and he's a faithful brother-in-law and, and so on. He wasn't discounting that in our role to be faithful to each other, but ultimately he was saying, uh, just because uh, he, he was saying God is the faithful one, the only one you can count on, and even if your world is out of control, that doesn't mean that God is out of control. Even though this world is broken, it doesn't mean that God is broken. In fact, God is the only thing that is not broken that we can count on. 
And part of our journey is learning to trust God even though we can't understand. It's a, really a significant flip for many of us that rather than looking at our circumstances and allowing that to determine what we believe and think about God, to firmly grasp, even when we can't understand what the Bible says about who God is, and we allow that to be our true north, to be what helps us navigate and interpret what's in front of us. God was speaking through Ezra about a fresh start on faith, and he's saying if you're gonna get a fresh start on faith, it begins with the faithfulness of God, and number two, it moves towards something that is very personal. A fresh start on faith moves towards something that is very personal. This idea of God's faithfulness isn't meant to be some abstract, spiritual concept out there in the sky, oh yeah, he's faithful, but his faithfulness is something that we were meant to experience personally. Ezra chapter one, back to our story. Ezra one verse five says, then God stirred the hearts of the priests and the Levites and the leaders and the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And even the neighbors the foreigners assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock. They gave many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. He stirred in the hearts of the people. God's not just this faithful thing out here, but he stirred individually in the people's hearts. They were moved from within. Oftentimes when we begin a new year, we focus on our things that are on the outside, don't we? We focus on maybe the weight we have to lose or decisions we have to make or uh, we, we focus on our job or our career, maybe decisions about college or we, we often focus on our behavior, but a fresh start on faith is something that God does inside of us. It's something God stirs within us in other words, he's more interested in building us as his people than he is interested in what we go build or do. He wants to build us. In fact, this is very striking. Maybe you've read through the Old Testament before and you're like, I can't even pronounce those names, much less understand why they're there. But in Ezra chapter two, it's very beautiful he writes, here is the list of the Jewish exiles of the provinces who returned from their captivity. And Ezra begins listing the specific leaders and the heads of the tribes and the families. And he names them. The leaders were Zerubbabel and Jeshua and Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvi, Rahum, and Banah. You may not recognize those names, but God does. You may have a hard time pronouncing those names. And all of these families, the dozens of families and all of their names, these are the records of the specific people that God called to come back and they're recorded in here. Just think if some, by some tragic way that our country's moving. Maybe we're not allowed to worship God in the assembly like we are here freely and Brookwood goes away and a generation later, maybe you and now your 
kids and your grandkids, you begin hearing the names of the people who started Brookwood and you hear, you hear the name of Perry and Leanne Duggar and you hadn't been at Brookwood for a long time but now you hear their name and you hear about Fenton Moorhead and you hear about David Hardy and you, you think about the specific men and women that God called to plant this church because he stirred within their heart to go and change the landscape of this community. Your heart would be stirred and you would be called back and re you would remember that God's calling, that a fresh start on faith is about his faithfulness and it's also something very personal to each of us. And so here's some, some questions for you to consider. And let me also say this, maybe you're here today and you haven't heard God's voice yet. You need to know that he, today he is calling you by name. He's calling you to himself. And so some questions for you to consider as we get a fresh start on faith. First of all, can you sense something stirring in you? Is God doing something in you? What step of faith is God calling you into? What impact would you love to make in the church, the world, or in someone else's life this year or maybe today because you heard God's voice and you took a step of faith? What is God waking up inside you? This question may hit you from a different angle. Is there something that you need to let go of in your life that you've been holding on to that you know God's asked you to let go of in order to make room? Some of the things that we hold on to end up becoming things that hold on to us and they take the place of God holding on to us. Out of God's faithfulness in his personal call, what is he inviting you into? Some of you are real excited about the new year and you're just cranking and cranking and cranking away at some of the stuff you've already been doing. You might, you might find out come mid-June that you've just been spinning your wheels because you didn't stop and say, God, what do you want me to do this year? What do you want my life to be about? What's my next step of faith? This passage in Ezra was showing them that a fresh start on faith, it begins with the faithfulness of God. Number two, it's very personal. And number three, a fresh start on faith is lived out together. A fresh start on faith is something we do together. It's very personal, it's between you and God, but it's meant to be lived in community. Isn't it odd that there are over seven and a half billion people on this planet, and yet so many people feel alone, and live alone, and do life alone? Ezra chapter three. The, con the story continues as Ezra's writing, in early autumn, when the Israelites settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priest and Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They gathered together for a unified purpose. It doesn't mean they were all doing the exact same thing, but they were moving in the same direction together. 
In fact, as I mentioned, Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah were written really close to the same time period to communicate how to rebuild your life. And there's a phrase, all Israel in Hebrew, that's repeated over 40 times in those three books. And several other phrases, which total over 100 times, all the people, all Israel, all of God's people came together. And it's just as you read this over and over again, a fresh start on faith is something that we live out together. And really, until all Israel, all the people of God are reached with the love and grace and mercy of God, our job's not done yet. We are not done with our unified purpose of helping people pursue a relationship with Jesus. I gotta be honest with you. When I read the scriptures, going to church doesn't immediately come to mind. I don't read the scriptures and think, oh, I gotta go to church. But what I do read and see in the scriptures is people gathering together and living on mission with each other, of seeking God together, of living out our faith in such a way that we need each other. And so Sunday morning isn't just something we go to. Sunday morning is something we need because we're on mission and we are living our lives in such a way that we need more of God and we need more encouragement from each other. I'm in relationship, personal one-on-one relationships with other guys because I need someone to pray with me and encourage me so that when I get out there in the trenches and I'm trying to do God's work and it's really difficult in a world that doesn't accept God's work, I've got someone encouraging and walking, walking with me in this. If God is stirring something inside you to get a fresh start on faith right now, you need someone to journey with you. You cannot do this on your own. Faith was not meant to be lived out alone. Who will you partner with? Maybe you've already got a great brother in Christ or a great sister in Christ who will you partner with on the journey this year? With your questions and your doubts and hey, I'm struggling with this and hey, let's pray about that and hey, let's seek the scriptures together on this. How will you live out your faith with others this year? There's a lot of things happening at Brookwood on the app or in the program or online. You can see a ton of things that are going on, but these are more than just events and programs you can go to. I am so tired of church programs. My prayer is that we would not see these as church programs, but as opportunities, as environments to get together, to grow, to move forward. And so men, if if God's stirring something inside your heart to grow as a man of God this year, There's a town hall meeting next Monday night. And it's a group of guys. It's not just an event where you can get some barbecue. It is a gathering of men where you can get some barbecue because we like to eat. But it's a gathering of men who want to dream and pray and think about and plan what it would look like for more men to grow in their faith. And so that's a great opportunity for you to be a part of. But don't go just because it's an event. Go because God's stirring something in your heart and you want to live out a fresh start on faith with other men. Women, if you sense God leading you to feel what it's like to be his precious daughter, to feel beautiful in the eyes of the Father, you should consider the retreat called Awakenings that our women's ministry is having in April. 
you should consider that, not just because it's an event, but because you want to go with other women who are seeking after God together. Next week, we have membership class. Let me just say something about membership. Membership is not just a class that you go through or a hoop you've got to jump through so you can be a leader. Membership ultimately is about your commitment to the mission of Jesus Christ here at Brookwood. Church membership is about commitment. That's one of the, one of the reasons I love that we renew our membership every year. We renew it every year so I can stop and say, yes, I'm in. I'm in once again. In fact, I just went through the online renewal a couple of weeks ago, and as I clicked it, I said, yes, God, whatever you have for me and whatever you have at Brookwood, I want to be a part of. Yes, I'm in. Membership is about commitment, living our faith out together. This passage in Ezra shows us that a fresh start on faith, it begins with the faithfulness of God, rock solid, It's very personal, it's lived out together, and number four, it is always fueled by the scriptures. Every time people turn back to God, the word of God is always central to their experience. Every time you read the Bible, even if you don't understand what it says and it's very difficult, there is not any moment wasted when you open the scripture and read it, even if you just have three minutes during one Tuesday afternoon to quick glance at something and look at it, that's not a wasted three minutes. Now, of course, I encourage you to spend more time in that, but even when you don't understand it, it's God's word. In fact, Nehemiah wrote memoirs during this same period that Ezra was writing, and in Nehemiah chapter eight, this probably isn't on the screen, I'm just gonna read this, Nehemiah eight says, when the Israelites had settled in their towns and all the people assembled with a unified purpose, there it is again, at the square just inside the water gate, the water gate was a picture of refreshing and renewal for the people, they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel, to hear his voice, to listen, and to follow. And it says they stood... When the, when the word was, was read, they stood from early in the morning till mid-afternoon. They stood and listened to the word of God be explained. And I wonder, maybe this year is the year for me and for you individually and for us as a church family that the scriptures would become a central part of who we are. Not just as a checklist, Oh, I I read the Bible in a year, although that would be really good for many of us to do, but because you long to hear God's voice, that you long to get past the ritual of reading the Bible to actually hearing what he has to say to you and to me as we read. A fresh start on faith begins with the faithfulness of God. It's very personal, it's lived out in community, and it's always fueled by the scriptures. This table, as I mentioned, is a picture of God's faithfulness. And if you have not received the elements for the Lord's Supper, go ahead and just raise your hand and our ushers will come forward and make sure you have these. One of the ways that we try to help you make the scriptures become more a central part of who you are is in the discussion guide that's handed out to you every week. In that discussion guide, there's questions to help you think and process through 
Sunday's message, but there's also in the discussion guide and also on the Brookwood Church app, if you get those notifications, is a daily reading. That daily reading isn't just something you can check, you're meant to check off, okay, I did that, okay, I did that. That's to help us get the, get the, the scriptures. Those are carefully selected scriptures based on Sunday's message to help us keep that message flowing through us during the week. And on Saturday, the reading, we call it Prepare for Next Sunday, and on that discussion guide or in the Brookwood app, yesterday, the prepare for next Sunday is always one of the main scriptures that's gonna be used in the service that day. So you can prepare your heart and think ahead and pray ahead and, and be, be ready for what's happening the following Sunday. And so yesterday, if you're following that program, you would have uh, been notified or read in your discussion guide part of Colossians chapter one, which I will read some of now. Colossians chapter one, and this is Paul's prayer for one of the churches that he loved so dearly. Paul's prayer, he says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And if you're here this morning and you wanna know God's will for your life and you wanna grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding, then this, this Lord's Supper table is for you. He continues, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And if you're here today and your desire is to worship and to honor and to please the one who made you, to worship him with everything you are and everything you have and you're wanting to trade your life in for his so that you can be a part of his amazing plan of hope for this world, then this Lord's Supper table is for you. He continues, this is possibly my favorite part right here. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have endurance, patience, and joy. And if you're here today and you long for God to strengthen you, to give you endurance and patience and fill you with joy, then this table is for you. Finally, he says, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And if you're here today and you've been carrying around some guilt and shame from some of the things that you've said that you shouldn't have said, some of the things that you've done that you know are not in line with how God designed you to live, Maybe you've been thinking thoughts that you know were not designed for you to be going through your mind and you've been carrying around guilt and shame and you long to experience forgiveness and freedom that comes only in Jesus Christ, then this table is here for you. One of the, you can go ahead and grab your bread. This seems very small, but it rep represents something life-changing. One of the primary core values that our staff operates on is something that we call Jesus first. Jesus first because we want to hear his voice and follow where he leads. Jesus first because God's plan for healing the world is by first bringing healing to us. This table is the great exchange where we bring our life to, to him 
and he gives us his life, his perfect life. And every time the Israelites had a, had a victory over their enemy in the Old Testament, the leaders of the clans would sacrifice an animal, which I know is very difficult to understand and, and grasp. They would sacrifice an animal and they would lift it up in front of the people that they were with and they would stand there with this and they would enjoy and feast on the victory and they would say, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is Jesus' body, it's broken for you. In him we have victory, take and eat. And when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, and he presented the bread as his broken body, he also took a cup, which was the juice, and he said, this is my blood spilled for you for the forgiveness of sins, for the cleansing. As you hold this little plastic cup in your hand, it represents something very significant. Look around you at the people next to you because this isn't just about you and Jesus. Go ahead and look around. We are in this together. We are family. Take and drink. Now I've said a lot of words here, so let's just take a moment and close our eyes. Bow our heads and Let's allow a moment for God to speak to us, bring something to our mind that he wants us to remember. Father, what is it you want us to know? I pray you would put thoughts in each one of our minds that come straight from you. What is it you're saying to us this morning? God, we pause again and we declare that you are faithful and we pray together that you would help us come to know you more personally, more this year than ever before. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have any questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.